0: To Next in Nonprofits, I'm Steve Boland, and I am very excited to be joined today by Judith Escribano, the head of communications for Islamic Relief UK. Judith, thanks so much for taking the time.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me on.
0: I was really excited to uh, find the right person to talk to with your organization about a extremely cool and new idea of how to engage people in your mission work. Um, But I don't wanna jump right into that because there might be some folks that don't understand Islamic Relief uh, UK, the, the collaboration you have with other Islamic Relief organizations. Can you just explain a little bit about what is Islamic Relief UK and what is your role?
1: Sure. So I work for Islamic Relief UK, which is a partner office of Islamic Relief Worldwide. Islamic Relief Worldwide was set up in 1984 as a development agency and humanitarian relief agency, assisting people of all faiths and none. Uh, but based faith-based organization, an Islamic-based organization. Um, We're, as I said, a partner office, and our job is to raise funds for Islamic Relief worldwide, but also to raise awareness of the Islamic Relief family and the work that we do overseas. There is an Islamic Relief in the States called Islamic Relief USA, and there are others in Canada, Germany, Sweden, uh, predominantly the uh, northern countries, uh, raising funds for Worldwide, which is based in Birmingham in the UK, and distributes the funding that is donated via the partner offices. And so we do, you know, much the same as many other development agencies. Uh, we support projects overseas. We also happen to have some uh, programmes here in the UK as well, supporting um, either Muslims, but also wider society. So refugees, Uh, We work with we work with homeless people. We run food banks. So a a wide range of work. Um, As the head of communications, my team covers press and PR, digital comms and content and advocacy and influencing.
0: Great. And I should, uh, in full disclosure, just let people know that I do a little bit of work with an Islamic Relief USA grantee uh, here in Minnesota, uh, organization called Al-Ma'un. But that's not actually how I found out about your uh, most recent tactic. I actually heard on a podcast I was listening to about the uh, Android um, operating system for phones, uh, about this brand new game that somebody was playing that they thought was just the, the best idea and so engaging. And I uh, did not know that it was coming up from working with uh, an Islamic Relief organization. I kind of heard about it from the game sphere. So uh, your organization has launched something called uh, Virtue Reality. And can you explain what uh, that game is first? And then uh, many more questions about the hows and whys. But what is Virtue Reality? So Virtue
1: Reality is a video game that you you can download either, if you've got an Android phone, you can Download it on Google Play Store. And if you've got an iPhone, it's on it. You can download it from the iPhone from the iStore. Um, it's a video game which helps raise awareness about what Islamic Relief does. Um, but it also tackles Islamophobia because Essentially, what we found with many video games is that either Muslims are not represented or if they are represented, they're represented in a negative light. And this video game shows Muslims doing good deeds and carrying out good work.
0: And in an amazingly well done and accessible, I think, format in terms of the game design is not completely, um, you know, out of the realm for anybody who's played a mobile game. Uh, the but the idea of it um, feeling a little bit familiar, but also just really engaging, is in a, a tightrope around charitable missions, I would think. So as you decided, um, there's a lot of misperception about Islamic Relief, about Muslims around the world. Uh, why this tactic? Why the idea of a, a mobile game that people might starting engaging with? Well
1: I started work here at Islamic Relief UK 18 months ago. I'm I'm not a Muslim but before I came to work here I decided to do a bit of research into Islam. I went on an intro to Islam course. I read the Quran and I read various books about Islam and one of the books I read was called Generation M. For Muslim, Mm. and it's about young British Muslims who are kind of on the cusp of the tradition of their faith, but also the modernity of being second or third generation immigrants and and Muslims who want to um, proclaim their faith, but in a much more sort of modern way Mm -hmm. um, than than, than, that they've been brought up in. Um, and one of the chapters in that book was about the representation of Muslims in popular culture, in films and in TV programs and in video games. And that's where I read, um, and obviously I'd, I'd got some ideas about it because I'm part of popular culture, but that's where I read this chapter that basically said um, Muslims are either not represented or they're represented in a negative light. So as I say, the women are weak and oppressed, or the men are uh, represented as terrorists or bad guys or the oppressors. And I was looking around my organisation, obviously the people with whom I work, the majority of whom are Muslims, and I thought, gosh, what a, what a horrible challenge for them and for their children to only see themselves in a negative light. And my children are not Muslims. Um, And I just thought that's so unfair. That's not something that my children have to face, but my colleagues' children do have to face. So I approached a friend of mine, uh, Rick Gibson, who is the director of the British Games Institute. And I said to him, you know, what do you think about us creating a video game to talk about Islamic relief and to present positive stories of, of Muslims? Um, And he said to me, you won't find anybody better than Shahid Ahmad, who was on their board of the British Games Institute, um, a former creative director at Sony, created his first video game, I think at the age of 14, and had just gone uh, freelance as a games developer. He said, he'll understand your market audience. He tweets about these issues all the time, lamenting the fact that Muslims are negatively represented. This is the man that you, you need to speak to. And we, we did speak to him, but we also put it out to, to tender. And we had about seven applications from different games agencies. And Shahid genuinely was the one who understood it best. He, he has this company called Ultimatum Games. He just completely understood the brief. Um, and I think I agree with you. I think he's delivered a brilliant game. Um, One of the reasons we went for quite a basic game, which is an idle clicker game, is because of budget. We're a charity. We, you know, good games that go viral are multi-million pound affairs. We don't have that kind of money. Um, But for the money that we had, he said, you know, a sort of animation and an idle clicker game um, that he would be able to deliver the the brief. and, And I think he has done.
0: Well, I find it extremely engaging. I've been playing since it came out in uh, October. It's a fairly new thing for people that haven't heard about it yet. There's good reason for that. It's, it's just launched fairly recently, at least in the U S. Uh, so the, the structure of the game, I mean, calling it virtue reality is again, a nice, a clever stroke for whoever came up with that idea, but it really does focus on the real world efforts of Islamic relief and gamifies them as if you are part of the team that is out there, um, beginning new relief efforts in different parts of the world with different challenges every time. Uh, so the, the very first project uh, that one starts as a micro dam, uh, in, I can't remember which country in, now, but it's in Mali. Uh, in Mali, thank you. Um, yeah. And uh, the the first part of the game mechanic is is as you said, literally just that clicking. Um, you have to put in a little effort to begin, but once you've uh, put that effort in, then you have the ability to bring in helpers, and uh, then th- those people start you know bringing more value to it in the form of something called deed coin, which is this kind of recognition of the value of these projects, and that helps raise it to the next level and do the next thing. So the, the mechanic is, ex- I think, extremely engaging. But the idea of we're going to show you the types of projects that we do. And if you kind of were to step in the phases that we have to go through in all of these things to see, right, it takes human power to do this stuff. So it starts with, you know, one or two people that don't have much resource. But once you begin and and bring others in and start that process rolling, it has increasing benefits to community, increasing benefits to you as the game player. Really smart thinking. What's the process that came through and said, if we're going to promote this idea of what we do, let's gamify the actual projects that we really do?
1: Yeah. um, Well, look, the games developer, Shahid, um, didn't know international development in detail. Before he started, he knew Islamic relief, but he didn't know the detail of what we did. So, this game was about a year in development of us talking with him, explaining the kind of work that we did, sending him images of the projects that we did. So, those images that you see are pretty much, you know, based on photos of the projects that we support overseas. Every single um, look, um, uh, so, so as you mentioned, the first one is in Mali. All the people that are trained um, and that you see on that game, so that are trained in order to implement the project, have Muslim names from Mali and they look like Muslims in Mali. So we sent all those images. We sent the list of names that were popular in that country. We sent project summaries to describe what it is we do, how that we do it and what kind of results that we have. And um, giving that information and having quite, you know, sort of back and forth conversations about what we could achieve. It was Ultimatum Games who came up with that um, that, um, strategy of demonstrating the game. As you click, you build the, 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 the school or the hospital or the health clinic or the irrigation system. All the kinds of things that we're doing in countries around the world. You build yourself in this game. And, you know, it's credit to Ultimatum Games who, who came up with that concept
0: the The way that the engagement happens, I think, is is hitting such a good mix for somebody who's used to playing a mobile game uh, that if you um want to continue in the progress in the game to get to the next level, to unlock the next challenge and whatnot, you you go through some steps that are understandable. But in that process, uh, there's also a moment of, uh, kind of explanation that comes through in, I don't think, a very obtrusive or, or heavy handed way. But uh, um, when we were, I was doing a, a, a project for um, in Malawi, a fish farm, for example, um, yeah. where they talk about. Um, why this tactic for feeding people? Why protein from fish? Why would you do it this way? And it's just a couple of paragraphs of somebody saying, you know, this helper is asking this question of why are we choosing this strategy? Mm -hmm. And the game gives a chance to explain, well, here's why it's a microdam here, but it's a fish farm there and it's a vegetable garden in Somalia and it's a housing project in Yemen. Um, Why we do these things in these areas and it's engaging without being intrusive. And I think that's such a challenging balance to get to when i would assume you as the charity involved here you know your main mission isn't we just want people to have fun playing on their phones there's lots and ways to do that but we want people to find that positive experience with islamic relief and the work that we're doing and learn a little something about what that work looks like and whatnot. So um, when when you're in process with Ultimatum on this work, uh, I mean, was there a little back and forth about how much can we explain the work versus just let people play the game?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you say it's not intrusive because, you know, we did worry. We want people to enjoy the game. Um, But we need to get across a serious message, which is this is how we are spending money and this is how we are working overseas. Now, obviously, the challenge is when when we do these projects are incredibly complicated you know, you don't just donate the money and and lo and behold, there's a hospital. You, you have to go through lots of different stages, you have to plan, you have to dig foundations, you have to buy, you know, procure the goods, you have to build the walls, you have to, so it's incredibly complicated. But as you say, in the game, very easily explained, because visually, you can see all of that. Now, obviously, um, Our programme staff who implement these programmes have to write incredibly detailed reports about what they're doing. Um, These are sometimes 40, 50 page reports. We had to condense that into sort of, you know, very brief paragraphs. And, uh, you know, that's the skill of a communications department, isn't it? To make something to make something complicated accessible. And um, so my communications assistant, Lena um, worked on that um, with me, and I think she did a great job. And I'm glad you said it's not intrusive because, it, it, you know, it is important for us to, to convey to people who are playing this game that actually it's quite complicated, but here's a simple message that explains, explains the whole project.
0: Right, and I I do think that it's enough education to have people uh, begin to experience that really positive connection with the mission, uh, without being so much like oh this isn't fun to play anymore because I can't get through you know this message or that video or whatever. And these okay, days, yeah. so many different um, mobile experiences that are in the for-profit world are so dominated by intrusive ads and very difficult things to get through. Um, many games that I have started that I have enjoyed for a little bit just become uh um, too difficult to have any fun with anymore you just abandon them and and here i think as a fairly new project uh so i i heard about it in october is is that when it launched worldwide or or how long has the game actually been in the market
1: so we launched it in britain on the 17th of october we launched it at the national video game museum and we actually chose to launch it to school kids 15-year-olds. We invited the computer science class from a mainstream school that was uh, mixed Muslim, non-Muslim, but we also invited a class from an Islamic girls' school. Um, and we, you know, we we talked about it, we launched it, um, we gave them the opportunity to play it for an hour, and then we were going to, we offered them lunch, and then they had the ability for the rest of the afternoon to go and play on all the rest of the games at the National Video Game Museum um, in, in Sheffield, which is in the centre of uh, the UK. And um, Shahid was there at the launch and he said, Jude, these, these kids, they're not going to play it for an hour. They'll play mm-hmm. for about 15 minutes and then they're going to want to go out into the museum. They didn't. They carried on playing for that hour. They played throughout lunch and some of them continued playing in the afternoon as well. And I was getting sent, you know, you know, my Twitter feed was full of people saying how they were playing. And and then obviously you know how when you get to the end of a stage, you can share an image from that. And I was getting sent all of these as well. It just really seems to have captured people. But also in it's reached people that we didn't really expect it to reach. So here in the UK, there is an organization called CAFOD. It's the Catholic Agency for Overseas Development. So a sister agency, in effect. Mm -hmm. Um, And they loved it too. They they promoted it on Twitter as well and said, we love this game. We've been playing it all afternoon. We had the director of communications from the UN promoting it on Twitter. We had the president of Sony um, worldwide promoting it as well. I mean, it really reached many, many more people and and diverse people than we expected it to. And and we're thrilled with that.
0: I I want to circle back to one of the things you mentioned about the game design with the people that are involved in the project, but then move on to some questions about how we think about impact outside of the game on the work that you're doing. But uh, one of the things I did notice right away was the... Uh, the wide range of representations of the people engaged in the projects. Uh, that if you have a, a uh, an idea in your head of this is what a Muslim woman looks like, uh, you see so many different types of people uh, engaged in these projects. Some in in what you might have thought of a, a more traditional hijab. Some that are not dressed that way. Some that have you know very different ranges of folks in all kinds of different roles. And I think that um, the the engagement in that uh, in that game where where you're meeting a new character to help you, uh, somebody else that comes along that's going to be assisting in this project um, they're they're animated. I mean they're they're drawn characters, but they are still, so kind of visually presenting as different. And I, I think you've done, again, your designers here, such a great job of showing that wide range of people throughout these countries that they um, that present. I, I, I was just curious as I played um, how how much time and effort went into thinking about that. Or was it just here's pictures of people that work on these projects and the designers just sort of gamified those pictures?
1: Oh, no, it was really important for us to have broad representation and positive representation of Muslims. I mean, that was key part of the project. Um, as you say, you know, there are stereotypical images. If you look at a, an emoji on the phone about a, a Muslim, it's a woman wearing a hijab. Well, some w- Muslim women do wear hijabs and some don't. Um, some wear niqab, a burqa. Some wear no, no head covering at all. So for us, it was extremely important to show this wide breadth of, of the different looks of Muslim people in the same way that people who are not Muslim all look different. Uh, Muslims look different too. And that was really important part of the project to ensure that there was representation that there was gender balance as well. Um, so, yeah, that was a, a, a key part of
0: it. You've got more difference in representation in this game, though, than the multi-million dollar games bother to take the time with, and I find that really interesting that uh, some of them, in their character design, will have six or seven choices and that's what you see in the game, and yeah. um, there are so many more people, and I've only been playing you know, for the last month plus, whatever, I have many more projects to unlock, uh, so I don't know yet who all I will meet in these other places, but uh, that, that clearly already has had more attention and thought than Um, for-profit games ever give to it and I I think is just so commendable and something that should be talked about in the context of other people doing that outreach work about what you see is is very different and very eye-opening.
1: So Shahid, who um, runs Ultimatum Games, he commissioned um, Bad Viking to do the um, illustrations and and the coding Um, and he said that when he First saw so we created an image for promoting this that showed every single character in the game. So it goes through all the countries from Mali to Indonesia, and it was an image for illustrations of every single character. He said when he first saw that, when Bad Viking sent that to him, he cried because uh. he was not used to seeing Muslims presented in all different ways. and um, he's a Muslim, he's got two daughters. Um, um and he he just he he found it overwhelming. So um I am glad we I'm glad we did it. I'm glad I, well, it wasn't just the first two characters that you see when you download the game, you know, appearing in every single country. Right. Um we wanted to show we work with local partners, you know, we don't send out people from the UK to go and work on these projects. Uh, People in Mali work in Mali. People in Pakistan work in Pakistan. So it was only fair to to represent that in the game as well. Um, Steve, I don't know whether you've heard of this thing called the Riz Test.
0: I don't know that, no.
1: Okay, so um, there is a British actor who has um, starred in American movies as well called Riz Ahmed, who is um, a Muslim. He was in a recent Star Wars film. Um, Anyway... He presented in the House of Commons a, a few years ago about um, the the poor representation of Muslims in in film and, and television. That's where he comes from mm-hmm. and the, this other organization created what they called the RIS test that if there were if a film um, shows Muslims, you know, the women as the weak and oppressed, or the men as terrorists, or you know, mm-hmm. negative stereotypes or whatever. And there are five or different criteria, five or so different criteria. They fail to pass the Riz test. Um, and so what we love about this game, oh my goodness, it absolutely smashes the RIS test. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's just it's 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 positive representation, and and that matters. That matters to in a climate of Islamophobia. Uh, which sadly there is in, in, in both the UK and, and the States.
0: Right. And so this is uh, um, some of us that have um, maybe heard of the Bechdel test uh, uh, about uh, women's representation in those same types of media, whether they have names, whether they speak to each other about something that isn't a man, those kinds of things to help us understand. Did the people that put this together really think about the whole audience or or did they never give consideration to how those people would engage with this? And um, it's not necessarily that it was intended to be Islamophobic or misogynist or whatever, but that's the impact of of the unintentionality of boxing people away, and being able to kind of think of tests like this to go, how do we really get around that with intention? We really show that it's not just accidental that we happen to represent many types of people in this game. It was the point of how that part of the game design, and um, I I think is a a great uh, stellar example for many others to follow in in not only video games, but other types of media as well. So just kudos to everybody involved with, with that intentionality and sharing.
1: Thank you very much. We're we're really pleased with it.
0: So you've built an amazing thing. I I, um, I, I do have one question about the mechanics of the game. After um, just understanding you'd like people to engage with it so that they learn some, they have a positive experience with Islamic relief and the work that you're doing. But how do you then decide, you know, wh- what is success look like in this thing? Uh, you know, numbers of downloads is a thing, but time engaged in the game, people sharing it out loud. uh, uh what are the things you're hoping for as it continues to roll out to more audiences?
1: so the 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 beauty about this and the beauty about um uh the ceo of islamic relief worldwide who who ultimately gave the the go ahead for this is he didn't actually set me any kpis any key performance indicators he didn't sort of say you must achieve this and and that's important when you're doing something innovative because mm-hmm. who knows because we've never done it before um look we are on a monthly basis noting down number of downloads number of people who are leaving the game we are noting down their their um, reviews um on google and both on um android as well um we're noting down how much money is being um uh, donated as well because obviously there's in-app purchases um too that you can um you can pay for um so essentially Shall I tell you what I thought would be really important where an, an indicator of success for me is that if I sat on the tube and looked over and saw somebody playing it <laughs> on the tube next to me, <laughs> I just thought that would be it. And you know, every time now I sit on the tube, I'm looking at people's phones to see if, if if that's the person playing the game. But I've been lucky. Um, you know, the CEO didn't tell me that I had to achieve certain um goals. And we're going to learn from this. We're going to learn whether, you know, um, if it is successful, um, because it's, it's been rolled out. It, it's been promoted in the UK and it's being rolled out by other partner offices as well. So it's going to be launched in Australia, in Canada, in the USA, in Germany, Malaysia, all a range of different places. If overall at the end of it, we look at those stats that we're gathering and, you know, based on this kind of um, conversation as well. If at the end of it, we think, yep, this has been successful, then we may upgrade the game as well. So it, it continues because, you know, what we don't want is at the end of the game, people reach the final stage and then they think, well, is that it? You know, I, we have other ideas about how this game could develop. So we, we, we need to, you know, give it a little bit of time, give it about six months to see how it goes and then decide whether we develop it any further.
0: Well, that's interesting because so much of what we do in the charitable sector uh, around communications is being driven by those key performance indicators of we're, we're looking for this many uh, opens on an email and then we're hoping that we actually get this much in a click through to do a donation, participate in an event, whatever the, the thing is. To give it some space to say, this is a fairly untested medium for a charity to engage in mission work, uh, at least I'm not aware of, of others that are doing what you're doing here. So uh, to to give it some space to see where it could go and and what those results might be um, is wonderful. I mean, I I don't know how much, I mean, it may be not a millions of pounds game d- development. It looks fantastic. It plays really well. It feels like there was some real investment here, and to make that investment Um, Kind of on the speculation of there is a different type of audience that will give me way more time playing a game than they will give me reading an email, watching a YouTube video, any of the other ways that we try to engage people that that mechanic of participating as a. Uh, person working on a project that you want the project to succeed you you want the the water tank to be completed so people are getting clean water you want the housing development to finish you it's it keeps people engaged in learning about how those projects happen in a much different way but i i would think different types of people more interested and engaged here than would be in some of the other channels that you're doing is that fair guess
1: I'm absolutely look i mean I personally feel that in about ten years' time we won't necessarily be having websites. That it'll be a place where we have to put our, you know, the accountability information on our annual reports or what have you. It'll be a place where you can make a donation. But I'm not convinced that um, it's a place that people visit. You know, I visit other charity websites because I want to see what the competition is doing, but. I don't go, you know, in my free time, I'm not checking out other people's websites when, when I want to know something. I'm occasionally looking on social media, um, but not, not by website. So one of the things about this video game that was important to us was to go to where people are. I don't think that, you know, many young people are not watching television. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're watching YouTube. Um, many young people are, you know, they're on their phones nonstop. And so this is, we wanted to go to where the people were. Um, and, and you know, we have promoted it in an email to our supporters. We've got loads of coverage in the media, which has been brilliant. Um, we're speaking about it at a range of different events and conferences. We're putting it forward for a number of different charity awards. But, yeah, I mean, it was key for us to reach uh, Muslims and people where they are which is on their phones
0: and in a very different way i mean i do this podcast and uh, the amount of time people will give listening to a conversation to learn something is substantial. If if I said, would you please sit down and read this website for the next half an hour to 45 minutes? Uh, you know, most people are never going to give you that kind of time to learn about something, but if they're driving their cars, doing the dishes, walking the dog and, and can be engaged with something that's interesting to them, they'll give you that time because that's how they want to engage. So audio, uh, things like that. But boy, the video game space um, is something that I don't know has been well explored. Was there any kind of competitive analysis of are there other players in charity spaces that are trying to use this tactic to reach audiences? Did you see others and go, we can pull something from that and and that's a thing we don't want to do? I mean, was that ever part of the process?
1: Yeah, we did some research because obviously when we were promoting this, we wanted to be able to say it's the first charity that has ever done this. Uh, we're not convinced that we could say that. Uh, we, we're 99% certain we're the first Muslim charity to uh, present um, our work um, on, a, on a video game. Um, we did do some research. There is a charity in the UK called War Child. It does something slightly different. It has a sort of a, a gaming staff member whose job it is, is to try and engage gamers in mm. their work. So, they, they do, I don't know, gaming competitions uh, where the um, money, I don't know how it works actually, where the money donated or what have you goes to the charity War Child. So, we knew that War Child did that. They didn't have a video game, but they had gamers supporting them. Okay. Um, we saw that there was, um, there was actually a, a company called Pal Ringo that created a game to raise money for Islamic Relief, but it was, it's a game where it's got jungle birds in it. Um, I, I, I'm sorry to say it's one that I kind of looked at and it didn't engage me at all. So yeah. it didn't have anything to do with the charity work. So for me, who's, you know, not a huge gamer, it just didn't really speak to me. Um, we did see some other charities doing stuff, but, but nothing that was fun and educational. <laughs> Right. It was either the fun stuff like Pal Ringo did, which had nothing to do with charity, or it was a little bit worthy and sincere that you just thought, well, why would somebody carry on playing this game? And, you know, so for us, it was important for it to be fun and educational. Um, interestingly, as I mentioned before, when we launched it in the UK and we had those kids from the schools, Um, One of the girls who um, wears a hijab was so excited because she said, I've never seen somebody like myself in a video game before. Um, And that was just really lovely to hear her say that, you know, we want we want people to be moved by it. We want people to be touched by it. We want them to go back to it. We want them to tell their friends about it. Um, And hopefully we've done that.
0: Well I think one of the other questions that I did want to get back to about the the game mechanics itself is as you uh progress here um earning the the deed coin is the um kind of the currency of the game uh the the reward for good works i guess one could say but it it gives you the the ability to un- unlock new projects start new ones by by using the um the benefit from those current projects and the um, you mentioned earlier the the idea of there um, some in-app purchases are available now i again want to commend you they are not required um, it is really important to me as I look at these games that if it's all about just driving you to the point where you absolutely have to spend money in order to do anything uh, so far I haven't run into that level if it if it ever happens but but you do have the option of speeding the play along a little bit if you choose to by um, purchasing uh, some uh, items in game that will allow you to kind of move forward faster. Um, Are people starting to take advantage of that already? And do you anticipate that being any kind of meaningful revenue stream or does it just offset costs a little? What are your thoughts about the in-app purchase component of what's happening?
1: So we had a conversation with our marketing and fundraising colleagues. And um, we made, you know, because there were some people saying, no, 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 this should be to drive, to, to raise income. We felt quite strongly that that should not be the primary purpose, that it would be a an added benefit. So hence the in-app purchases. But you're right. You don't have to. I've completed the whole game and I haven't uh, purchased anything. Um, so it is possible to do so. Um, it was important for us for it not to be the main driver of the game, but to give people the option because look, there are going to be some, um, Muslim gamers there that wouldn't be comfortable because it might be seen as some kind of, I don't know, gambling or what have you. So, you know, it was important for us that this is optional. It's, it's not essential, but it would be a lovely sideline and we have raised some money. So we have, um, looked at the figures, um, Well, the next report is not due for a couple of days to see how we're doing so far. Look, I don't think it's going to um, raise as much money as it costs to produce. Um, But, you know, as I said, lucky that the CEO um, provided the funding from this, from um, an innovation pot, and um, we've been able to experiment and we'll learn things from this game.
0: Right. And I think one of those opportunities, as it's been out a little bit longer, as you mentioned, as you finish projects, you, you get an opportunity to, uh, share your progress with others. Uh, you know, the traditional, put it on Twitter, whatever way you want to share that image. Uh, is there then an opportunity to try and think of, uh, If somebody is just having a ball and really learning a lot from this thing to to say, hey, you know, we we do actually do the traditional newsletters and YouTube channels and and those things come come be more involved in our actual work rather than the uh, virtual virtual work part of it. Can you think about a path to conversion for some of those folks to bring them a little bit more into becoming potential supporters or volunteers or whatever way they might engage with Islamic Relief?
1: It's certainly the second stage. So at the moment, what we have in the top right hand corner, you can go to an info section which tells you a little bit more about Islamic Relief. It tells you about um, a scheme called Charity Week, which is a fundraising drive by um, predominantly Muslim students who raise money um, in six countries around the world, US, UK, Qatar, three others as well, that raise money specifically for um, Islamic Relief. And we receive funding from them as well. So I don't know whether you've noticed at some point a little hand comes along in a blue circle that says, congratulations, you've received a donation from. And we, yeah. we listed our top 10 um, donors. Um, and so um, there's definitely things that we would like to develop more Um, looking at the reviews on both Google and Apple reviews um, there are ideas there are some people saying um, we'd like to know more about what you do others saying it's it's just about the right information so we need to sort of weigh it all up and see what uh, overall people are thinking Um, but yes you know hopefully we will be able to develop the game more next year
0: Okay. So what are your next steps as it launches in other countries? How, how do you promote it, uh, to, again, what I think is often going to be a little bit different of an audience than you already are engaged with that might really be able to pick this part up, but you got to break in and, and have them know, uh, you know, yes, it's a game from Islamic relief and you're going to have a lot of fun in addition to, you know, learning some things about it. How do you help get, get that word out?
1: Yeah, so we've been promoting it on social media, but also when we had the launch, we invited a camera crew from the Islam Channel, um, and they produced a documentary, which has been oh. shown. Um, we also invited a camera crew from well, BBC Online came as well, BBC Sheffield. Um, also a, a, a programme called FYI, which is produced by Sky, um, and it's a children's news programme, so there was a presenter from there as well. Um, They um, also have an online and a print uh, paper called um, Teach First, which goes into schools. Um, It's also been shared in a school newsletter as well for secondary schools in the UK. So a range of different ways. And as each of the countries, each of the different partner offices launch it in their countries, we're hoping that they will also do media and promotion work around it. Um, we've been lucky. Shahid has a lot of contacts himself in the gaming industry. So he um, attended a gaming conference and talked about it there. He was invited to speak at, um, there's a gaming organization called POC, People of Colour, and he presented there. He's also got connections to, there's a, a Twitter account, which is about nonviolent game of the week, and it was presented <laughs> on there. So um, you know, we've had various ways of promoting it over the the past five, six weeks. And now it's the turn of Canada, USA, and Australia to promote and and hopefully they'll have as much success as we did in in promoting it.
0: Well, I certainly hope so. And I'm very grateful for the amount of time you've taken to help explain your thought process and and your hopes for this work. Uh so as we're wrapping up, uh are there Ways that folks that are listening to this that go, wow, I'm, I'm intrigued about Islamic Relief now and didn't know much about what you're doing. Uh, where would you direct them to learn more?
1: <laughs> Ironically, I could direct them to the website. And I, I have to <laughs> say, I think websites will be obsolete. Um, how about going on uh, social media, you know, either to. Many of your listeners will be uh, in the US, Islamic Relief USA. They can check their um, social media or or website or Islamic Relief Worldwide, which is the kind of the mothership. Or if you want to see what we're doing here in the UK, Islamic Relief UK, um, our social media or our um, website as well. We've all got Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. So um, you can check us out there.
0: Uh, and go try the game. Uh, if you've not it's ever thought of yourself as a uh, a mobile gamer, you're like, yeah, those are things that other people do. And, you know, when I'm on my phone, I'm constantly looking at Facebook or whatever. Try this. Uh, if you thought of yourself as like, no, I don't like games. This is not your traditional, you know, uh, as you said, nonviolent game. It is not your... Um, point a gun at something and just keep firing at it it is a really engaging fun uh, experience I, I think the the next best thing for some if you don't think that you're a gamer give this a try just play for a little bit turns out it's not your thing that's fine but boy it is uh, I think a real achievement so i um, very excited that you were able to take the time and I just want to say thank you to Judith Escribano who is the head of communications for Islamic Relief USA Judith thanks again
1: You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me.